past several weeks here at Westridge, we've been throwing around a word that we believe perfectly describes the season we're in right now. And the word that we've been throwing around is the word hope. And now I want to clarify on the kind of hope that we've been talking about because there is a different type of hope that exists during this time of the year that's different than the one that we've been referring to, okay? Like the other kind of hope that exists around the Christmas season, it's more of a wishful thinking type of hope. And I'll give you a couple of examples so that you can understand what I'm talking about, okay? Um, some of you parents in the room, when you got your, your kid's Christmas list this year, you experienced this wishful thinking type of hope, right? Like they gave you their list and it was a mile long, the dollar amount totaled up to, you know, close to the mortgage on your house. And when you first saw it, your reaction was, my kid has lost their mind, right? If they think they're getting all this stuff, they are crazy. And in just a few days, you get to be the loving parent that shoots down all of your kids' Christmas hopes and dreams, simply because everything they put on their list, it was grounded in wishful thinking, uh, but kids, listen, they're not the only ones that think this way this time of year. We as adults do it as well. And um, to prove my point, let me just ask this. And you don't need to raise your hands, but just be honest with yourself. I wonder if anybody in the room's thought what I'm about to say, thinks similar to this at some point over the last several weeks. I wonder if you've thought anything like, uh, I hope I get a close parking space to the mall today. I wonder if anybody's thought, um, since I am such a procrastinator and I've waited so long to buy Christmas gifts, like I hope Toys R Us still has that toy that my kid desperately wants. I wonder if any of you on Black Friday woke up and you went, man, I hope I don't punch someone in the face today at Walmart. <laughs> and listen, if that's you, we love you and we're glad you're here and we are a church committed to praying the crazy right out of your life. If you need that, you let us know. But I'm assuming maybe there's somebody, maybe some of us too, our, our Christmas hopes are, I hope my crazy, insane, jacked up family can get along in a couple of days. So this year's Christmas is much better than it was last year. See, this is wishful thinking type of hope. And the sad thing about this type of hope, it's this, is it's grounded in nothing, right? It's hoping without any confidence of what the future holds for you. But what I want to remind you of today is this. Christmas is about a completely different type of hope. You see, this time of year should serve as a reminder to all of us that the God who created us offers us a hope, not grounded in wishful thinking, but he offers all of us a hope in which we can be confident about our futures. He offers us a hope in which you and I can be sure that good is coming our way. And don't miss this. God, he offers us a hope that actually leaves us hopeful. And so how's that true? How does he do that? Well, here's the answer. It's simple. In and through Jesus Christ and him alone. And to unpack that, to talk about how that's true this morning, we're going to talk about and teach through one of the most hopeful statements that Jesus made about himself while he was here on the earth. And so if you have your Bibles or if you have a device, a phone, an iPad with a Bible app on it, I want you to grab those things and I want you to go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And if you don't have a Bible, no worries, we're going to throw everything on the screens so you can follow along. Now, as you're flipping to John 14, let me just kind of set the scene for us, okay? In John 14, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's getting ready to die. 
He's telling them that he's leaving the world, he's leaving them, and he's going back to God the Father who's in heaven. And Jesus tells his guys that he's going there to prepare a place for them so that after they leave the earth, they can be together with Jesus again. And then Jesus makes a really interesting statement. He looks at the 12 disciples and he says, listen, guys, you know the way to get to where I'm going. And then one of the guys speaks up, Thomas, skeptic by nature, right? He speaks up and he says, Jesus, listen, we don't even really know where you're going. So how in the world could you expect us to know the way to get there? And that's when Jesus in John 14, 6 responds with this very hopeful statement about himself. Here's what he says. How do you know the way? Jesus goes, I'm the way. I'm the way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, to understand why and how this statement is such a hopeful statement, we're just going to break this verse down and talk through each of these declarations that Jesus made about himself. And so if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write some of this stuff down, all right? The first thing that Jesus says about himself is that he's the way. He is the way. That word way in John 14, 6, in the original language of the New Testament, it simply means road or path. So in other words, Jesus is saying that he is the road or the pathway that leads to God. Now, I know that that thought is not popular in a lot of people's brains today in the world in which we live. Like, a lot of people you'll meet, they'll say, you know what, here's what I believe. I believe there's a lot of different paths to get to God. There's a lot of different roads that lead to him. And even maybe all the world religions, we all worship the same God. And all those religions, they're just different roadways to get to the same place. Well, listen to me. In this verse, Jesus says something much differently than that. He doesn't say what I just said. Like, he doesn't look at his guys and go, all right, fellas, here's the deal. I'm leaving, going to God, going to heaven, preparing a place for you. And here's the deal. If you want to get there, just pick a way. Like, it'd be cool. I mean, we've been together three years, so I would love if you'd pick me and follow me and do the things that I've taught you to do in my name. But if you don't want to do my way, then no worries. Listen, there's other ways. Just get on one of the ways, one of the roads, so that we can all be together again after you leave here. All right? Cool? No, Jesus, what does he say? He he looks at his guys and says, guys, listen, if you want to get to where God is, if you want to get to where I'm going, if you want to end up in the presence of God in heaven one day, I'm the way to get there. No one can get to where he is except through me. I'm it. There are no other ways. Then Jesus keeps going and he next calls himself the truth. The truth. And John chapter 1, the apostle John, disciple John, he takes us back to the Christmas story in verse 14 by making this really simple statement. He says, the word, and he's speaking of Jesus here. I'll explain that in a moment. But he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the word word here, again, in the original language of the New Testament, it's the word logos. And it simply means divine expression or speech. And so when John, in John 1, calls Jesus the word, what he's saying is this. He's saying that Jesus Christ is, in human form, the divine expression of God in the world. Now, in other words, and and to make it easier to understand, here's what he's saying. He's saying if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what his character is like, if you want to know how he feels about you, then you know what you should do? You should just look at Jesus. 
Just look at Jesus. Jesus is the expression of God in the world. And in John 14, 6, when Jesus calls himself the truth in front of his guys, that's what he's reminding them of. He's reminding them again that he's not just one truth about God. He's not some truth about some God, but he is what's true and the only thing that's true about the one true God of the universe, the God who created you. And he's saying again to his guys, listen, you don't have to wonder what God is like. You don't have to wonder how he feels about you. If you just look at me, I am what's true about God. Other truths about him don't exist. I'm it. I'm the truth. And then lastly, he calls himself the life. The life. Back to John 1. Here's what John has to say in the opening part of a chapter about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the word, again, the divine expression of God. Um, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In these verses, John's telling us two things about Jesus. One, he's telling us that Jesus is the author and the giver of all physical life. Right? He just said that if Jesus hadn't created everything... That nothing we see in creation, including you and me, would have ever been created. And so Jesus is the giver of all physical life, according to John 1. But not only that, he's also the author and the giver of spiritual life and eternal life. Um, When John writes in John 4 that when Jesus came into the world, he brought life with him that was the light of men. He's saying that Jesus Christ brought with him life for you and for me that we desperately needed and desperately wanted. It's a reference to eternal life and spiritual life. And again, in John 14, 6, when Jesus says he's the life, he's telling his disciples, he's telling us that he's not just a source of life, but he's the source of all life, both physical and spiritual. That the only reason you're here today with blood pumping through your veins, breath in your lungs, living, moving, alive, it's because of him. Like if Jesus would have never thought of you, you wouldn't be here today. But he also, again, wants us to know in calling himself the life, that if we want to know life after our lives on this earth are over, that it's only through him that we can know true eternal life. So here's the deal. I would assume right now that maybe there's some of us in the room thinking to ourselves, that is a bold statement, right? Like for Jesus to say about himself that he is the only way for us to know God, the only truth about God, the only one who can give us eternal life with God. Like that's a bold statement. And listen, I wouldn't disagree with that. I would assume that there's also people in the room that would go, man, that sounds like a pretty exclusive statement that Jesus Christ is the only one who can do all of that stuff for me. And listen again, I would not disagree with you that this is a very exclusive statement. But here's my hope. Like I I just hope this morning that we don't get so hung up on how bold and exclusive of a statement that truly is that it causes us to miss out on just how hopeful a statement this truly is. And so let's address that. How in the world is this a hopeful statement? Here's how. Because in John 14, 6, Jesus tells us that he and he alone is able to address and to meet the deepest need that you and I have as human beings. And a need, it's a spiritual need. 
and I'll explain this, okay? Um, the Bible teaches us that every single person in this room, every single person in the world who's ever lived and ever will live is a sinful person. Like, I don't think anybody would want to argue this morning that you are perfect, right? We've all made mistakes. We've all done things wrong in life. We are sinful, imperfect people. Now, God, he's different than us. The book, the the Bible tells us that God, he's sinless and he's perfect. And because God is sinless and perfect and we're imperfect and sinful, there is this divide, this gap that exists between you and him. And you cannot have a relationship with God through your own efforts or your own good works. Like, here's the deal. You need to know this morning that you can't be good enough You can't follow enough rules. You can't be a moral of enough person. You can't come to enough church services to make up to God for all the sin you've ever committed and will commit. You can't do anything to close that gap that exists between you and him. There's nothing that you can do to fix what's wrong between you and God. And the Bible tells us that because of that and because we're sinners, all we deserve from God is this. We deserve to live hopeless lives. We deserve to die hopeless deaths. And we deserve to spend hopeless eternities separated from God in a very real place called hell. Hopeless. The Bible even uses very hopeless language to describe our spiritual condition. I'll I'll throw this up here so that you can see it. The Bible calls you and I as sinful people, spiritually blind, lost, and dead people. Hopeless, right? And again, there's nothing you can do to change that. But you see, there's good news This is where Jesus comes in. This is exactly why Jesus came to the earth over 2,000 years ago. Have you ever heard that phrase that Jesus is the reason for the season? You ever heard that? Um, Can I just offer up a a different statement? Because I think that that statement's wrong, okay? Like if you have a sweater with that on it, throw it away. If you have a coffee cup with that on it, break it this afternoon when you get home. Um, Jesus is not the reason for the season. You know who the reason for the season is? It's us, it's you, and it's me. It's blind, lost, dead people who could never fix what's wrong between them and God. That's why Jesus came to the world over 2,000 years ago. We're the reason for the season. He came to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves, to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life, to show us what's true about God, to close the gap that exists between you and him so that you, as a spiritually blind, lost, and dead person could have a way to know God again. You see, Jesus came over 2,000 years ago to bring you and to bring me hope. That's what this time of year is all about. And how did he do that? How did he accomplish that? Well, it's something we talk about here at Westridge all the time. He did it through his death and he did it through his resurrection. You see, the Bible tells us that the penalty of our sin is death And I just want you to know this morning that Jesus Christ, he was born into the world. Yeah, and that's what we celebrate this time of year. But he was born into the world ultimately to lay his life down. And he was born so that he could lay his life down for you and for me. He went to the cross 2,000 years ago to die a death that you and I deserved. 
You see, he went to the cross and he stood in that gap that exists between you and God. And he took all the punishment on himself that my sin and your sin deserve. He experienced hell that should have been mine and yours. And he did all of that again so that we could be forgiven of our sins, fully loved and fully accepted by God. He did that for you. But then three days later, he didn't stay dead. And this is the great Easter story. He came bursting out of the grave very much alive so that he could offer eternal life to anyone who would call on his name to be saved. This is how Jesus Christ offers us hope. And so what does that mean for us? Well, here's what it means for us. It means that if you're a person here this morning that has walked through life being blinded to who God is, like you're here and you would go, you know what, I, I think there's probably some God out there, but I don't really know what he's like, and I'm not even sure if I can know what he's like. Like if that's you, um, maybe you've walked through life believing that God is just some big angry being out there that made you, but he's always mad at you, and he's kind of waiting on you just to screw up so that he can zap you with lightning bolts. Like that's your idea of God. Um, maybe your idea of God is, yeah, he made me. But God is distant and he's disinterested in me. And he doesn't really care about my life and he doesn't want any kind of relationship with me. He's just kind of out there and I'm doing my thing. Like if that's you, here's what I want to say to you today. You don't have to be blinded to him any longer. You don't have to wonder any longer what he's like. Look at Jesus today. You can leave hopeful today knowing that the God who created you is so full of grace and compassion toward you. That the God who created you loves you in spite of all your mistakes, all your failures, all your mess-ups. He's interested in your life. You matter to him. That's what I want you to know about God. And how can we trust that that's true about him? Because that's the Jesus of the Bible. That's who we see Jesus to be. And Jesus, he's the truth about God. For those of you who've wandered through life feeling lost, maybe you're here today and, man, you walked in the room and um, you're here because you're trying to kind of find your way. You just feel lost in life. Maybe you set out on this journey to try and find some sense of freedom and joy and purpose and meaning, happiness out of life. And it's kind of led you to anything and everything the world could throw at you to promise those things, right? Like, You've sought after stuff and money and job titles and power and possessions, relationships. Maybe even some of you are here this morning and you've sought after all those things and they've led you down a very dangerous road of like addiction and abuse and unhealthiness. And you feel more lost right now than you've ever felt in your entire life. You have no idea where to turn. Here's what I want to say to you. Look at me. Turn to Jesus. He is the way to know all of those things you're so desperate for in life right now. And how does he give you those things? Well, he gives you those things by providing a way for you to know the God of the universe, the God who created you and loves you. And it's only through a relationship with God that you can know true freedom, true joy, true happiness in life, purpose, meaning. That's the only place you'll find what you're looking for. And so I'm just telling you, man, quit feeling lost. Quit wandering through life. Turn to Jesus today. He is the way to God. And then lastly, for those of us in the room, just feel dead inside. When we walked in and, man, it, we just feel so hopeless in life right now. Um, we don't really know if our life matters much. Like we're not really convinced that anybody really cares us or loves about us. Maybe we're here this morning and, um, you know, even when we think about death, there's a part of us that's numb to that thought, but then there's another part of us 
It's really fearful when we think about death because we're not really sure what would happen to us if we were to die. But here's what I want to say to you. Turn to Jesus today. He is life. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth to make spiritually dead people like you alive again. Listen to me. You matter to him. He created you and he loves you and he wants to use your life in ways that you can't imagine to impact his kingdom and to make a difference when it comes to eternal things. You see, Jesus Christ wants to offer you a life in which you can wake up every morning and feel hopeful about your future, knowing that if your life were to end at any moment, you'd close your eyes in death and wake up in his presence and spend all of eternity there. He is life and you don't have to feel dead anymore if that's you. So again, maybe you're here and you go, well, James, that sounds awesome. And man, I'd really love to believe that about Jesus. But maybe again, you're still kind of skeptical and you're sitting back going, I don't know. I want to believe it, but I'm not really sure if it's real. I don't really know if this Jesus thing works. I don't know if it's going to work for me. Here's what I want to do for you this morning. I want to share a story with you of a lady whose life was radically changed by God due to the hope he offered her in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is this. My prayer is as you watch this video, you hear this story, that God over the next few minutes would convince you that Jesus works. So I want you to turn your attention to the screens and check out this story. In the last 10 years, um, I've been through a lot of things where I have given up hope um, and I have just found myself lost in my life over and over again. And even to this day, I find myself where sometimes I just feel hopeless. Uh, and it never fails that when I do that, that God always sends someone um, to speak hope into my life, even in the smallest ways. And I'm just very thankful that I serve a God um, that is so loving and giving and forgiving um, that regardless of what we do in our lives, he is always there to put the pieces back together if we will just let him. I was 13 years old. My parents got divorced. Um, and at that point in my life, I had started to go through a lot of hardships uh, internally. I started to experiment in drugs and I got addicted to methamphetamines. I was basically in this point in my life where all I did was just live to get high. Um, and then at that point, um, you know, I was a senior in high school and I was Miss Armerchi High School and I was captain of my co-ed cheerleading squad for Hot Shots All-Stars. And um, But I was also... Um, just emotionally dead on the inside and I was addicted to this drug and eventually that drug took hold of my life and I ended up getting arrested um, 30 days from my senior graduation and when I got arrested I was not allowed to graduate um, or go to my senior prom and it was like everything that I had worked for my entire life I lost in that one moment. Not long after that, I ended up pregnant. I moved in with her, um, with her father. For about the next six years, my life continued just to spiral in one big downward motion. And from that point, um, you know, it was I was in and out of jail, arrested multiple times. Um, I was just I went from working in a nightclub in Atlanta to selling drugs every day, and I would stay up for three and four weeks at a time. And you know when 
people would look at me and they wouldn't even recognize who I was anymore because I was just skin and bone. Eventually, I ended up getting arrested and losing custody of my daughter. And at that point, that was my low point in my life. And instead of um, seeking help and trying to change then, I was just so convinced that there was nothing wrong with what I was doing. I just sold more drugs and I got more high and I just um, became this person that was just unrecognizable to everybody, including myself. And there were moments in my life where I would go home at night and I would just lay there just awake and high because I couldn't sleep and I would just pray that I would go to sleep and never wake up again. I had convinced myself that living was not going to benefit anyone, not even my daughter, that I was just this terrible person and I was so lost um, in my life and in my addiction that there was just, at that point, I, I couldn't even see any hope because I was just... I was dead on the inside. I was emotionally dead. Um, and eventually, I think you get to that point in your life where there's only two places that you can go, and it's either up or it's death. And uh, fortunately, God saw fit that I was not ready to die because he came in um, and the things started to change, and I ended up getting arrested on uh, federal drug charges, which was kind of the turn in my life. I was rehabbing and getting clean and just kind of in and out of just sleeping basically the whole time, but there was always volunteers for a church that would come in there once a week and testify, and there was this lady one day that came in there, and I never told her what I was in there for, um, but she asked me, could she pray for me, and so I said, yeah, and she put her hand on me, and she prayed for me. She looked me directly in my eyes, and she said, you will never go back to your addiction again. And so for the first time in my, you know, four, five, six years that I had been using drugs, I felt like I could breathe again. Um, and I knew at that moment that I would never go back. In your moments of darkness and sadness and when you are ready to give up hope, that is when I encourage you the most to reach out and reach up and just give it to God and just silence out all the noise around you and He will come into your situation and He will change it. But he will change it in his time, not your own. Jesus works. He works. He is our hope for our future. He is the way for us to know God. He's the one that shows us what's true about God. He is the one that can offer us true, meaningful life here on this earth and eternal life with God after our lives on this earth are over. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as, again, the way to know God, the one who shows us what's true about him and the way to receive eternal life from God, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And I want you to hear me say this. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you've done, and I don't care what kind of family you come from, and I don't care what your past looks like, and I don't care what's defining your present. I don't even care what you have planned for your future, and neither does God, in order to receive the hope that Jesus Christ offers to every single one of us. Listen, you don't have to clean yourself up. There's nothing about yourself that you need to fix first. You don't need to make yourself lovable. God will do that for you. All you have to do in order to receive what Christ has for you today is this. You just got to ask him for it. It's his free gift. 
to you. I read this great quote this past week by a lady named Jen Smith. She said, God chose to have his son enter the world in a stable and be laid in filthy slop so we could know that our sinful hearts are not too lowly of a place for him to occupy. How good is that? I don't care who you are. If you need Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to place your faith and your trust in him today. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Will you join me and pray? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you today, and if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to reconnect you to a right relationship with God, to give you eternal life, listen, there's no magic prayer you need to pray. But I would just say right now in this moment as you sit in your seat, maybe pray something to God like this. Say to him, God, I know right now I'm a sinner. God, and I know there's a gap that exists between you and me. God, and I believe that Jesus came to this earth, God, in order to make a way for me to know you. And so God, this morning, I'm just asking you if you would forgive me of my sins. God, I want to know eternal life. I believe, God, what's true about you because I see it in Jesus. God, I want you to use my life for the purposes you've created me for. So God, today I I give you me. Again, the scripture promises you pray that God saves you. He starts making you a new person from the inside out. And you can leave today hopeful knowing that your eternity is secure. And that no matter what happens the rest of your life, man, you will spend eternity with him in heaven. Here's what I want to ask you to do with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time to put your faith in Jesus, would you do me a favor? Just look up at me if, if you prayed that. Just look at me. Listen, if you're looking at me right now, here's all I want to say to you, okay? Um, I want to make sure that you know your church loves you, that you have people here praying for you, and I want to put resources in your hand before you leave today so that you can get started on the right track in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's all I want to ask you to do, okay? I'm about to walk off the stage. I'm going to walk right over to that help center over there under the overhang to my left, to your right. I would love if you would, when we stand in just a moment, to just step out of your seat, go meet me there. Man, I just want to celebrate with you. Our church wants to celebrate with you. And I want to put, again, those resources in your hand before you go. So I'm asking you to take that bold step, if you will. Father God, we just thank you for this time as we keep worshiping and keep responding. God, we just pray that you're honored in this place. We love you, and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matt, lead us, brother.